In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with a Cleveland Browns fan from LA. It's Mark Sessler. Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? It's been a while. It's been a while. Mate, I'm super excited about the season. It's uh, today the season uh, starts. How's everything around the NFL? Well, it's been, you know, it's, I, I kind of think that if you, when you're doing what we're doing, you're covering this as you are doing your show and anyone kind of plugged into it during the off season too and into the regular season, I kind of like when September hits and you get into the biorhythm of the weeks where you kind of know that like Tuesday is going to be quieter, Saturday is going to be quiet, but then from Sunday through Thursday, it's just going to be wild in terms of activity. And I, I think that it's been for the Cleveland Browns, for instance, an off season where I, as a longtime Browns fan, I'm still kind of waking up to the reality of all of this because nothing in preseason kind of really plugs you into what's happening because there's no one playing. It's still a dream to me or a fantasy that, that half the players that are on this team are on this team. So I, the offseason, I've kind of just rolled through in a strange way, um, approaching September. And here we are. And it feels like suddenly they're days away from taking the field. And uh, a very unusual thing to imagine someone like Odell Beckham on the roster. It certainly is like a Christmas present with Odell Beckham. We haven't really seen him really with the Browns and on Sunday is going to get most of the snaps where possible, really. I think so, too. I mean, they've obviously, I think the goal was keep him super healthy. I know he had a little bit of a hip issue. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything serious. He's full go for week one. And, you know, Tennessee's defense, I think, in general, the Titans are a team that's totally overlooked um, because they don't seem to have a true stamped identity that people can grasp onto, but their defense is strong. And for me, I, I look at their situation where, you know, their slot cornerback situation, Jarvis Landry, Najoku, those guys might face some issues. And so I think that Odell Beckham is a natural fit for a big week one in terms of targets as well. And uh, I think the whole idea of being at home is you want to get Odell Beckham as much work as you can right out of the gate to make, you know, a big entrance. The bookies are saying a plus five predicted win for the Browns. Do you see it being that close or? I do just because I, my one thing with the Browns looking at all the pieces and everything. And I, let's start with the offensive line that has a, a lot of new faces. And it's not that it's just new faces because it's really, I guess, the right guard alone. But I want to see them play, play well together and mesh together. But you throw in Odell Beckham, you throw in the concept that none of them have really played together. In it's it's the same offense, but it's going to be a little bit of a different setup than last year. It might just take a couple weeks, and I think there's an you know in, intense pressure on them. The Titans, to me though, when you look at the fact that you've got your left tackle Terrell Lewan is suspended, Jack Conklin is coming off a late season injury, and I you know he's I think Conklin is a good run run blocker. He's not great in pass coverage. It's a good setup for the defense. And I think what you might get in this game is a defense that I don't think is being overlooked by Browns fans, probably from a national perspective. It's, it's constantly Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. Well, the defense might have to win a couple games, you know, this season 
and I think lower scoring games. And I could see this being a little bit of a white knuckle uh, showdown. But that's also the, 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 you know, the me that just simply can't quite connect with the reality of Cleveland winning games by more than three to six points. It's just not been the way it is. So you want even last year, they weren't doing that outside of a couple instances. So uh, can they can you imagine them just picking up where they left off last year? NFL offenses don't typically do that. You look at the Patriots, they take a full month typically to kind of tune up and figure out who they are. So I think Cleveland could go through the same, I don't know if it's growing pains, but just process of sort of learning to play together week to week. Mark, um, I think if we did lose on Sunday, I'm going to be at the game. It's uh, not what I want to do, but if we do lose, it's not the end of the world. If we do think that with a Pats mindset, it, it could happen that we have a bad start. As we know, the fixtures do get easier throughout the year for the Browns. I mean, I think their opening schedule is brutal because if you ever fell to the Titans, and I, I view that Week 2 Jets game as a revenge game for the Jets. I think they hated what happened on national television last year. And that, that game where Baker Mayfield became anointed as the starter and Cleveland got their win, you know, the Jets are the, the fall guy in that, the heavy over and over. And I think they hated that. And I think that Sam Darnold in that offense is going to be – they're going to be tight. So – I, I don't like the idea of going 0-1 and then also having the Rams and, you know, a lot the Niners, a lot of prime time action out of the gate and a lot of pressure and focus on this team. So I think a 1-0 one, one doesn't matter in terms of how long the season is. You, look, you get to December and early in September feels like a joke at that point because it's really about who's healthy then. But some teams, I think, need to experience – some early confidence and a quick start. And Cleveland, to me, would be one of those teams. I wouldn't like an 0-2 start on any level. Yeah, because the Jets got uh, Greg Williams. He's out for revenge sure. as well. And then, yeah, I think we go um, Rams. Then we go to the Ravens. So Rams at home and then the Ravens. It's, it's, it is a brutal... Uh... It doesn't let up. It doesn't let up. Obviously, the positive is our defense. Can you see it being a top five defense this year, Mark? I can, because I don't know what the real weak spot is on the defense. You know, I... I I think whenever you have a monster pass rush, if that plays out the way it's, it looked like it, you know, you look at that Bucks game, you've got five sacks and 20 minutes of play. If you can get that kind of pressure against opposing quarterbacks, obviously it makes the rest of the defense so much better. And there aren't like, you know, they've in the past, they had safety situation or cornerback situation where you just could pick two or three people, target them and go to town all day long. And I don't see that on this defense. And I, I think Steve Wilkes, not obviously did not succeed as a head coach, but they've talked about him as a sort of a badass behind the scenes as a coordinator. And I think he's a good fit for this defense. I, I, you know, the Greg Williams thing to me always was not as bad as people I think made it out to be. And I don't think that he's as much of a loose cannon, you know, he did an okay job running the team down the stretch. And I think that he, he helped maximize some of those players. But when you find out that Miles Garrett was limited and, his development and moves and all this business that he could make. You want someone that's just going to unleash these guys and set them free. And I think Wilkes might be a better fit from that angle. And the players seem to like him. And they're really a cohesive unit that is kind of an us against the world when you read their quotes. I mean, I know they only won seven games last year. And so this could be a bad thing. But I think with the Browns, it's a good thing. There's a little bit of cocky, cocksure attitude to them where I think they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to carry this team if we're this defense. And I, I think they can. I really think that the defense will be the story of the team eight weeks in. How are the rest of the people in uh, around the NFL talking about the Browns at the moment? Are they as positive as me and yourself, or 
do they have some little concerns? I think I'm probably just because I've been so snake bitten in the past, a little, a little more cautious than some. Because I think I, you know, I just I I feel if it goes wrong, then it's I think they're a target because they've been the talking point all off season. You know, and the Niners were that last off season. Everyone just ticketed them for 11 wins, and then everything went wrong beyond even just simply play on the field. So I want Cleveland to succeed, and then I think I'll get a little more innately confident about it. You know, I look at Chris Wessling, who, you know, correctly never liked Cleveland on any level because they didn't have a quarterback. And as soon as they had Baker Mayfield, I think from a colder analytical standpoint, not an emotional one, you can buy into the team. Same with Greg. And Dan is a Jets. We have a bit of a cold war because I think both our teams were nervous they could suck, but there's real hope that they could, that they'd turn the corner. And so that week two thing has so much more weight for me than if the Browns were playing like the Bills in week two or even like the Panthers, you know, fill in the blank. It's a Dan versus Mark uh, psychological war. And I, and I think that we, you know, we don't want to admit it. Maybe he's a little more, he's from, you know, he's a New York fan. He's a little more just like, yeah, things are going to be fine. Like I'm a Cleveland fan. I'm a total disaster right now. So it's like, I really uh, want them to take care of business and, you know, to take care of business early and get off on a good foot so that it can be a season that's enjoyed. I want them to be interesting and intriguing until the end. Is that too much to ask after the last 20 plus years, please? We need to get you and uh, Dan on a plane to New York and film it. That'd be, uh, <laughs> that'd be good. Any forfeits? I don't think that would be a good idea, actually. I mean, it, you know, it'd be a good idea for the winner. I'm actually traveling to Steelers with a uh, Scottish Steelers fan. Me and him wow. are traveling all the way over from staying at my house the night before. So... Browns fans, I'm sorry I'm letting a Steeler into my house. Then we're going to travel from New York, drive to uh, Pittsburgh. So a real good road trip. But how do you see the AFC North panning out? I think it's, it's as unpredictable, more unpredictable than ever, because, you know, in the past you could throw the, the Bengals into the mix to make a playoff spot. I mean, now that's been replaced with Cleveland, I think a true division contender. Uh, in my picks, I picked Baltimore to win the division, but Oof. I picked Cleveland to go on to the Super Bowl. I did a little trick there. I thought I wanted Cleveland to do what a, a true Browns pass to the Super Bowl would be, was, you know, if things don't go right in the regular season the way everyone predicts, but then you have to mine your way through from that wild card spot all the way to Miami to win it. Total fantasy. And if you look at my previous playoff picks and Super Bowl picks, I'd be very concerned. But I think Baltimore, it, to me, I look, at the, I look at Baltimore as a team that is consistently – well-coached, that consistently develops young players on defense. People are wondering, where's the pass rush going to come from? How do you fill in some of these spots? Every year by week 10 or 11, they've developed like another pro bowl or two on defense. And so I think they're going to be strong on that side of the ball. I think their offense is going to be extremely unique in 2019 as a typically run first and total batter ram attack that as long as Lamar Jackson stays healthy, and I think if he improves a little bit through the air and they get a little bit more help from their targets, they don't have a great group of wide receivers, but they've got a deep, pounding backfield, one that can just destroy people, and I don't think that offense is going to go away necessarily. So I love the Ravens in turn of hanging around. And then the Steelers, you know, you give up two all-pro caliber players, and I feel like they've both been filled in to some degree, and, and they keep rolling. So... Uh, you know, I'd be shocked if any of those teams didn't play with the skill to win 10 or 11 games. And the way, because they're all going to, you know, eat each other up a little bit, you might get an 11-10-9 scenario where I have Baltimore winning the division. And, and maybe all, I think it's one of those years where three AFC North teams make the playoffs. It's happened before. I can see it happening again. 
Mark, that's a big call. I, I, I like it. Well, I don't really like it, actually, Mark. Uh, I don't, <laughs> What's the I, like? Yeah. Um, and the Bengals, do you really think they're going to be bottom of the league? Well, I mean, someone has to be. And I think it starts with the fact that, I don't know, I, I'm not sure what their, what their plan is right now. They, don't, they, they have offensive line issues they've had for a long time. I think that's not helped a quarterback that's not the same quarterback under, when he's under duress. I, I think Andy Dalton is not nearly as bad as, as, as some would make him out to be, or, or I, I critiqued him in the past a ton because my issue is I would like to see the Bengals aggressively look for a better quarterback. It's not just that Andy Dalton is some sort of disaster. I just aggressively look for the next big thing because that could change everything we think about the Bengals in my book. I, I, the, to me, I don't think there's just a lot, a, a, a lot of like sort of blue chip players on this team. Joe Mixon, A.J. Green certainly qualified, but whenever A.J. Green is hurt, that offense seems to totally fall apart, and his health has been a concern. It's been obviously a concern, you know, all offseason going into the year. So I don't, I think the Bengals, and you've got a first-year head coach that I don't have a read on at this point. So for me, it's a big, raging question mark, and I'm not sure the Bengals fans are going to like the answer. It was really interesting that we picked up their third round pick, the linebacker Malik Jefferson, athletic guy, not, yeah, obviously had some issues with the Bengals and and we've picked him up and it's a great win for us as long as they make the roster. Yeah, I guess it's it's a reminder that a lot of these players were deeply scouted by scouts from every team and they they probably had a read on him and wanted him and lost, lost out to him in the draft and Whenever you can grab someone like that that you think, you know, I think that's a position that Cleveland should continue to look for for guys. And so, yes, it's, it's a win. It's, I mean, it, if he pans out and you pulled him from a division rival, best possible scenario. Yeah. And Mark, tell us, you, you're coming to London soon. How's that trip looking? Well, it looks good. I mean, I, like the last year they kept us extremely busy. We got to see you a few times, but, you, you know, they rolled us from one thing to the next. And I think that would be the plan again. But we're going to go the week that the Bucks and the Bucks and Panthers, I believe, play in London. Is that do I have that matchup right? I believe that is. Let's have a little look. Let's look. <laughs> it's week seven. It's it's October. It's the October week of October seventh through fourteenth. So uh, we are fired up to go. It should be awesome. And you're going to come over for like a, another week, or are you just flying in for the game this time? No, it'll just be it'll just be that week. Uh, just because we have a lot of stuff going on. Here as well, and it is the Panthers. Yes, it's the October thirteenth uh, game against the Panthers, and so we'll be there, you know, in the days leading up, and then fly out early the next day after the game. But um, we're gonna do a couple live shows uh, like we did last time, we'll do some su- stuff with Sky Sports, NFL UK, and uh, hopefully, you know, some sort of meetup type things. And it's kind of cool because having been there now twice, uh, you know, there's people that we keep in touch with that I have that. You're going to see a second or third time. It's like, you know, you are seeing the same people. It's, it's a really passionate, awesome group of fans. And, you know, they used to say it's just because, you know, fantasy helped galvanize that in the UK. Well, I think it's so much more than just that at this point. I mean, when we were there last time and we did a meetup that was three or four hours long, the fans I talked to could not be more plugged in and, and, and more plugged in than a lot of U.S. fans, frankly. They're just, they, when you have to put that much time and energy overseas and I'm not just saying this it's like you're watching games late at night you know you're basically saying Monday at work is going to be an absolute trash bag scenario right I I think that's you have to care a little bit more you can't be uh, passive about it 
Yeah, it's quite an interesting point. I think to be an NFL fan outside of America, you either just do what I did to start off with, just buy the gear and know a little bit about it, or you actually really study it and you have to learn it. You have to learn it properly being a, an overseas fan because yeah. if you're staying up to five o'clock in the morning to watch it, you're going to understand, want to understand what is actually going on, why why we're doing certain plays, you know, what the roster looks like. So, uh, yeah, we're all over here studying it, studying it. And this year we did a live 32-team draft day, and that was absolutely awesome. Oh, Every, wow. Every single uh, team from the UK had a fan, just amazing. And like, some teams had three or four. Everyone's been a GM. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, it's like I, I, and I guess I a few. I guess in the past I'd be surprised at that, but I'm just not anymore because you can see it. And when I, I think the cool thing about the meetups that we go to too is, it is there is someone there from every single fan, from every fan base. And when you ask how they became latched to the Saints or the Titans or the Colts. I mean, the stories are so unusual. So it's a completely interesting case study and it's a huge NFL, uh, I, I think, movement to to grow the fan base and keep growing it and bring more and more games over there. I don't know why they couldn't have eight games, except I kind of do because I think it's a coaches would go absolutely nuts. Teams, you got to win the teams over on some degree because I think it's still a bit of an aberration to a group of humans that would rather things be run almost like a total military operation from week to week. And it's kind of like a bizarre mission to go over to London. But if they can get over that, I don't see why you couldn't almost have a home team in the sense of eight games a year in London. I, I think we're moving towards that, not away that, not away from that. I know Germany would definitely like some games. As you know, probably with the stats I see on my podcast, Ireland, Australia, Germany, Canada, all big listeners. <laughs> Yeah, it's huge. Mm. All right, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to seeing you over in London. Hopefully I can take you on a, maybe a food tour or something a bit different. Go Browns. Will you be in the studio watching the game? So, yeah, we on Sunday, what we typically do is there's a new big newsroom and we'll sit in there and, you know, we have a TV on, big TV on and get, we have essentially what the your version of Game Pass where you can watch games live. If you have it in the States, you can't. You can only watch it on on replay the U the u.s version is not live games because we have access to it through direct tv and stuff so there's you know con contractual business so yeah little little uh insider business i never knew that yeah we have your version because what we do is you know we'll have four games up at the same time and you'll as you guys must do but we flip through all the different action and you know we're tweeting about it and writing about it uh and then kind of preparing for our podcast that starts at 5 30 on the nose which is right as you know, Sunday night football is kicking off. So it is a long day. We're there from Sunday. Games start at 10 a.m. in Los Angeles, and our show wraps around eight something, and then we all have writing to do after. So it's a long ass day. And then on Monday, you kind of pick up the pieces and try to figure out what the hell happened the day before. Yeah, awesome. Well, look, Mark, super excited for you to come over to London and uh, go Browns. Right. Take care.